Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hello, listeners. A quick note before the show. Today's episode includes mentions of sexual abuse and a mention of suicide. If either of those are triggers for you, this might be a show to skip. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. I am fortunate today to be sitting in person with a good friend of mine who has an incredible life story. His name is Bruce Pitcher, and he's a record-breaking contestant from ABC's Extreme Weight Loss. He has a journey that saw him go from a 20-year-old, 410-pound gas station employee to losing more than 200 pounds in that show and ultimately transforming his life, where he became a fit motivational speaker, an athlete, and the founder of his own lifestyle program filled with events, coaching, and a whole host of things that are helping others transform their own lives. His story, it comes through childhood abuse and coming to terms ultimately with some of why he gained weight and, and how he can, in his own life experiences, help other people understand their own journey. He leads a community now called Larger Than Life, and he shares those tools and the methods that helped him lose the weight and how he created a new, healthy, happy, and sustainable lifestyle in the hopes of affording that same opportunity to others. Larger Than Life not only describes Bruce's personality and approach to life, but it's also the name of a book he's authored, the events that he throws, his coaching community, and the YouTube series that features his work in helping people take on their own transformations, the second season of which just debuted on August 16th. We are recording today, August 16th. It comes out at 6 p.m. tonight, brother. Without further ado, please welcome a man who's taken all of what life has handed him and turned it into so, so much good, Mr. Bruce Pitcher. Welcome to Rise Together. My name's Dave Hollis. I'm the host of this show where we're going to hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this, the human experience. Maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together. Hello, Bruce. Hello. Glad to be here. Oh, man, I'm glad to have you here with me. 
Yes, best studio I've ever done a podcast in. You know what? Uh, sitting in a master bedroom in two chairs truly is uh, a thing that most podcast hosts can't claim as no. a, a usual studio backdrop. But uh, here we are in the lap of luxury. Yes, it is. It's actually really comfortable, to be honest. It's climate controlled mm-hmm. and uh, the chairs are soft. Yes. Well, I am fortunate to, as a part of my relationship with Heidi, have the uh, benefit of getting to also become your friend because of how close the two of you are. Um, you're just, you're one of my faves, my man. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life. Yeah, likewise. It's it's both ways. Obviously, you've given me the best gift ever, you know, like, and that's, that is true. A Raiders signed jersey by Bo Jackson. So um, I love it. And, uh, I know the way to your heart, yes, man. Yes, it was great. So um, yeah, got that thing framed the other day. So it should be ready in like a couple weeks. Oh, let's go. Yeah. Let's get that right up, that right up on the wall so right we up. can pay appropriate homage to mm-hmm. Mr. Jackson every mm-hmm. time uh, we're over at the house. All right, I gave you just a, a little bit of a bio, but uh, in your own words, Mr. Pitcher, could you give people a little of your own story and uh, a bit of why you believe that you are here on this earth? Obviously, like you said, um, abused, sexually abused from my father from age 8 to 14 years old. Um, then he went to prison. Um, in that time, he didn't actually go to prison for my, for me. He was actually, there was so many other kids, so many other victims. So, um, he was doing that for as, as long as I can remember a lot of like victims in, in that, in his path, you know? And so it was, it, it was a crazy time in my life without a doubt. We, uh, when I got told, called down to the office and they told me that my dad just went to the, went to, uh, picked up by the police, went to jail, everything like that in my little community, it was a big deal. And um, I guess it wasn't a little community. It's not like Provo, Utah is a little community, but they started to bring the newspaper article to the school of all the charges that were on him and everything else. And it just it turned my life completely upside down without a doubt. And, um, and I remember somebody defecated in my backpack, bullying started. So it was just kind of like a lot of like things that I just wasn't prepared for, you know, in life as a sophomore in high school, I was literally just a sophomore in high school. Um, carry on in life through high school is my football team actually that have my back because I love football. Um, I love any kind of team sport because I feel like that's what it brings, camaraderie. Sometimes I wasn't the best player. I did start, though. I don't want to make that clear. So <laughs> usually people say I am not wasn't the best player, you know, not no offense to anybody. But, but yeah, I did start, but I wasn't the best player. But, um, you know, sometimes football and sports, uh, something I learned from my coach a long time ago is, it's not necessarily you need them. It's more that they need fo- they need us, you know. And and I think in a lot of ways that was my that was me. So I I hold a close thing about football and to my heart. And 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 obviously then I went on to be a football coach. And now I'm coaching people, and it's amazing the parallels of coaching football and coaching people and leading a group. And uh, I always wanted to be a head football coach. That's what I thought I would be. And so now I look at what I do with larger in life as like the head coach, you know, overlooking it. I got other coaches that coach under me. Those are my assistant coaches and I have good coaches and have people to help manage. And it's amazing. Sometimes I love to use football parallels with what I do for people. And um, and so now I just give people uh, hope and uh, just know the fight every single day. And, and in fact, somebody messaged me from my coaching group the other uh, just like two days ago. And she said, hey, I showed I showed my daughter your uh, clip um, because they were going to a trial for the same thing. She showed, showed her clip and, and she came to me and she was like, mom, I want to be in the, in the courtroom. I, I want to sit in there this time, you know? And, and so it's amazing that eight years um, have passed since I've been on extreme weight loss. And still that episode is still making an impact. Still that day that it was in the parole hearing um, is still making an impact. And, uh, 
and I can probably touch on that. So people are probably wondering what am I talking about, but we can go back to that later. But yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing and uh, trying to make life the best it can, you know? I love it. So let's go back. As you say, you're growing up. You got a relationship with your dad before you get a phone call about anything being off. What did you think of your dad? How did you see him in the world? What was your impression of him? I've heard the story, so I know where this is going, but you thought highly of your dad, right? Oh, man. Just like everybody else. I mean, you know, everybody has their dad father relationship or out there, you know, or somebody in that figure that they just up that they just hold in a pedestal. And he was, I mean, literally like he was the coach of the year. He went coach of the year. We did things at Christmas time. We did like we had people coming over. We handwritten like there's an entire football team and he handwrites Christmas cards to all their families and personally delivers them. So on the outside looking in, it looked like this guy was just the stand-up guy, you know, always always there. Always if your kid needed a ride, he was the last one to leave to take him home, you know. Just it was just like, oh, this is good stuff, you know, like he's just good in the community. He was so involved in everything else. And everybody in school used to tell me, like, man, your dad's oh, he's the most amazing guy. Like, I wish he was my dad, you know, like, man, my dad would be so cool. Not that their dads weren't, but it's just kind of like they yeah. loved it, man. And and I was just and I so I held them at a pedestal and I thought Everything, obviously, as a kid now, looking back, I just thought it was completely normal, you know? And then he would always say little things now looking like, you know, don't don't tell everyone all our little details of things that go on and stuff like that, you know? Just the way they work, you know? The way that, uh, I mean, just call it what it is, a pedophile works, you know? They're master manipulators. They know exactly what they're doing, and they're professionals of what they do. Yeah. And so it's it's sad. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So when you were inside of it, right, abuse is obviously a thing that now you can identify it as, but in the middle of it, it wasn't a thing that you saw as abuse. You saw it as a sign of the way love was traditionally shown between a dad and a son. Yeah, just that's just what I knew. You yeah. know, I just thought I thought nothing. Um, I didn't know any different. And, and literally, we didn't I didn't go anywhere unless I was with him. So like. He drove bus too for a little while, like drove uh, like the bus around. I would I would go on shifts, so I'd go from school, and then if he was driving at night, I would be on the bus with him. And on the weekends, and you'd have a, s- a Saturday long shifts, I would ride on the bus for eight nine hours. So I'd ride with them to go to the get on the bus, and then I would just sit there and write. Then on Christmas, it was like, hey, I'm gonna have you come. You're gonna pass out candy canes, you know, like so it was like a thing. But and then if he was going to the store, hey, come, you're gonna come with me to the store. If my mom had a family reunion, he would stay back, but I would stay with him. My brother would go, and they would go to the family reunion. And now looking back on this, it was almost like he had just eyes on it yeah. the whole time, so nothing could ever be said. Wow. And it's just so it was crazy, like literally. We did everything together, and there was like one night, even um, in normal seventh uh, seventh grade, I wanted to have a sleepover with my friends because that's what you do, you know. You start to do stuff like that, and we were getting together as a group, and um, we just finished our football season. We won the championship. Everyone's going there, and uh, and um, he was like upset that I wouldn't want to stay at the house, and like so I was like, oh, I just want to enjoy. So I stayed there at my friends, and then I came home, and he wouldn't talk to me for two days. Wow. Literally the silent treatment for two days. Uh, 
and just make me feel like so bad. These are stories I've never really shared much about, but it was just like, so it was just crazy, crazy time. For wow. Sure. So you get the phone call. Dad's been taken to the police station. Mm-hmm. What's your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction, because what had happened is I got taken off to a forensics house during this time. So they pulled me out of school to interview me. I didn't know at the time. So a forensics house is actually for kids that have been through abuse. They try to take you to a place that's like supposed to be a safe place, right? Yeah. So you feel comfortable, everything like that. And then that's when I went to the phone. I was like, I called home my mom and she said, well, the police just hauled your dad off to jail. And so I had them, I had my mom come pick me up from school and then we went home. And that's when the, the, I mean, the newses were all out in front of our house. There was just so much stuff. We got threatened if we don't leave our house. Um, uh, our life's going to be a living hell. And sure enough, it was. I mean, it was yeah. a living hell. So, yeah. And so when you get that initial questioning of, and what about you? Your initial reaction is nothing to see here. Yep. Nothing to see here. Just, just nothing. I'm good. I'm good. My dad is the best. You know, and I held in a secret. And I remember when I was asked that question, it felt like an eternity. Yeah. Like, like an eternity because you have so many things that are going through your head at that time. And it's like, wait, is every, like, it's not necessarily that I was in the process of like, is everything that I was going through like wrong, you know, like at that moment, but you're sure. kind of like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it was just, I mean, to be honest with you, it's just like, and I don't use it as an excuse and you know this, like, it's just not some 14 year old kid should ever have to go through of and course just manipulate the mind and everything no so. of course and the and the reality is even just from the little bit that you've shared so far he'd spent a lifetime convincing you yes. of certain things and that grooming or whatever you want to call it is complicit in the way that of course you might respond if yeah. anyone ever asked you a question about it so mm-hmm. it, it completely makes sense at what point for you do you have the i can only imagine crushing epiphany that oh no this shit wasn't okay. Yeah, so it took all the way. So I held it all the way in through high school. And then I was supposed to go on my uh, Mormon mission. That's serving two years. And I held that secret. And going on a Mormon mission can be like anything in general, just going and putting everything behind you. And But I couldn't put that behind me, obviously. It was still in the back of my mind because as I got older, you're like, okay, this isn't okay. Some things are not adding up. And at that time, I stopped going to visit him in prison as much too. Like, when he first went, we were going all the time. And it was manipulation even in there. But as we got older, my mom, me, as we started to see things, we're like, wait, we've all been under a freaking trap. Yeah. Like my mom included. Like yeah. all of us have. Like we have literally been like, it is this is crazy. Yeah. And then I went on the mission and then I didn't I didn't last very long out there. So I came home early. And then it was like immediately scrutinized for coming home early, negative self-talk. People telling me like, hey, I told my son not to come home unless it's in a body bag, all this stuff. Wow. Yeah, just crazy stuff. And then obviously I felt all the shame and guilt and felt like I was a failure and everything. So I went up to the prison actually to see my dad. And and literally I was like, dad, this he comes out. And he's shocked that I'm sitting there because he's like, he thinks I'm supposed to be on this mission. And then he says like, I'll never forget those words. He says like, you know, the family's not going to receive the blessings that we deserve for me to get out of here. So it's like your fault I'm in here. And so that was crushing. I was only 19 at the time. That was a crushing blow. I got in my truck and I went home and found the biggest bottle of booze that I could find. Had somebody go get it. because so obviously I wasn't old enough. Found a fifth and just started drinking a big old bottle of Jack Daniels as quick as I could. And, and then tried to uh, hang myself on a hammock cook with a belt. Lucky enough, it broke. So I could be sitting here today, you know? So, wow. Yeah. Wow. He's in prison. 
He's actually out now. What? Yeah, we're gonna get oh, there. Okay, I mean, perfect. no, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the fact that he's out is a completely different thing mm-hmm. for maybe even a different podcast. But <laughs> the the fact that he has been on trial been convicted and still you were holding it in. I can't even imagine the kind of turmoil that you are under as you're trying to reconcile the difference between this person who's now been convicted of a crime and sent to prison and this idol that you had held with such esteem. What was that kind of trial period like for you in seeing your hero humbled, dismantled, convicted, brought out into the light for who he really was? It was um it was just destroying, you know, and and I think I think one of my biggest things was I've felt for so many years like if I if I can even be truly loved, if that's really what it was like. And so mm. I thought there was somebody that did and and obviously he didn't. And going through therapy, that's what I really, really realized. Um with my therapist is like, man, was I was I ever truly loved? And then I wondered like, can I be loved? Can I be appreciated? Can I be liked? You know, like Am, am I good enough as a person, you know? And, um, and so that's, I mean, it was just, it's taken me a long time and I still think I struggle with that at times to this day, sure. you know? And, and through therapy, it's helped me with that. And I talked to my, I've talked to therapists before and they've, they've said like, you know, that's a normal thing for victims actually, you know? And sure. so in a way it makes me feel good because I'm not the only one out there, you know, there's victims that have had this happen to them. And so they, they can relate. It's almost like we can all relate to that and just say like, yeah, you know what? We are, we are enough, you know, and, um, it's okay that sometimes we feel like we're not enough, but this is why. And when you know why it helps you move forward. Yeah. I, I mean, I should have said this at the beginning. This makes me want to cry a little bit. I like, I am one of the things I think I admire most about you is your willingness to just sit here nakedly owning all of this in part, because I know how much it has created power for you to do so. But it's not, I don't know that there is a universal thing in a victim of sexual abuse that has someone saying like, you know what I want to do is tell my story. Yeah. Uh, You know what I want to do is share the details of this harrowing, breaking me to my core, you know, thing. And I think part of what's so beautiful about you is that you're like, I can hold space for both. I can talk to you about the shittiest thing that's ever happened in my life that no one should ever have to go through. And also show how I was able to turn it into the power that now fuels me transforming other people's lives because of the way that I was able to transform my own on the back end of this worst thing in the entire world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it took a lot of time. Like, it's not like I would, I was, I mean, it took me going to therapy. It took me owning it and saying, not playing the poor me playing the victim card because I mean, you know, you see it all the time and and I'll be, I'll be honest. Like I have a hard time with people that describe their life as it was so hard and it happened to them 10, 15 years ago, even. And I'm like, dude, do something about it. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't mean to be like mean or disheartening because, and I think I can say that, you know, because of what I went through. And I'm like, Hey, look at, look at my life and not just mine, but there's a countless people that have decided, you know, I'm going to do something about this, you know? And, and I think that's why I'm open about it and talking about it because it's literally not, kind of shaped me for who I am. It's literally shaped me for who I am. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, and it's, and I'm, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And God gives a lot of people gifts and he gives, he didn't give me LeBron James gifts. That would have been cool. But, (laughs) but, but he gave me a gift of like somebody that anybody can talk to and share something with, and you're going to get 
zero judgment. You're going to get loved and you're going to get unconditional love and we're going to figure it out, you yep. know, and, and that's all that matters. And, um, and I think that's, uh, and I, and that's the way I've looked at it and taken it. And, um, and so it'd be a disservice to, to like, what I say is God is like giving me this stuff and giving me a chance of a lifetime. Um, that's the way I look at it because I mean, I mean, honestly, Dave, I'm sitting here with you doing a podcast. I'm sitting here. I get emotional every time I think about it because of everything I've been through as a kid, but just all the things I've been through and and those moments and 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 going through that as a kid with my dad and everything, and then I have I have opportunities like this. I have opportunities to meet so many great people. I've had opportunities um, like where we had Epic Weekend and and just I mean I'm very blessed and um and that that to me is just so powerful and that's and it helps me get going every single day in life and um, that's Hell what yeah. matters. That's what Hell matters. Hell yeah, so, I love it. One. I respect and, and cherish our relationship as friends so much because I know I can come to you exactly as I am, super flawed. I am struggling with this thing, and there isn't a single ounce of judgment any time. It's for, part of what I look for most in a friend. Um, but also, you are a model for anyone who has an ability to see the silver lining in shit. In, in the in the stuff that you wish hadn't happened and your ability to turn into something good. And I know you've done that. Let's talk about your transformation because in the bio lead up, I mentioned, yep, you were 410. You end up losing 200 plus pounds in the 12 months that you spent with Chris and Heidi on the show. And I'm curious how that 410, the food, the whatever it might be, was complicit in coping and dealing. Was that like, is that where it was eating for you a source of, uh, escape or control or like kind of where does food play into your dealing as it were oh without a doubt that was my drug you know like yeah. people have alcohol people have drugs people have sex all those things mine was mine was most definitely food you know that was the addiction without a doubt and that's what i turned to you know and at the time i didn't really realize it but in a way it was like i look back on it now and it's almost like that was my self-worth you know like honestly it was like Oh, if Bruce is coming in, man, we'll have let's invite him to come eat. He'll do it. You know, people laugh how much you could eat. Like they were just like, oh my gosh. And you're like, as dumb as it sounds, it's like, oh, I'm enough. This is how I can be enough for people. You know, and that's crazy to think about. And so it's just been, I love to eat, still love to eat to this day. It's a struggle every single day. I sometimes think maintenance is harder than losing it. But it's just like the tools that that Chris and Heidi obviously taught me throughout the show that that have literally led to where I am today, you know, and, and I'm a big mental component um, when it comes to transformation. I'm a big like I'm not a big macro like macros are great, right? Macros and and workouts, they're they're great. But it's just like everything else. You got to get your mind right. Yeah, you got to get your mind right in order to do that, because nobody's fired up to do macros and 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 uh extra exercise you know and when you hear and i always say this too and not defend anybody out there that's a nutritionist or whatever but i always say like you get a panel of people that have transformations they never get up there and say like oh my gosh i found the perfect like coach for my macros and literally we were two weeks in and it was life-changing like i they reset my protein and put my carbs here and i was just like oh i'm free and i showed up for my kids like there's no tomorrow i showed up for myself like there's no tomorrow nobody does that shit like <laughs> I, i'm just like so i always tell people i'm like come on think about it that's the easy part we got to get up here and we got to get in the heart fix first and then we'll set your macros where you need to. But nobody's telling us, like, if we got on a podcast, dude, 
I was with so and so, and like, as soon as they sent my pro my protein to 160 grams, life changing. That's gonna be like that was just <laughs> life changing. Like you know what I mean? Come I on. Know, I know. So I know. it's just like it's all it's like ninety percent mindset. Yeah, ninety percent mindset. It is. Well, if if you as a listener have not ever heard of extreme weight loss or seen Bruce's episode, one of the most incredible pieces of the arc of the season that Bruce is featured in is the sequence where you go to your father's parole hearing. And I'd, I'd love for you to just kind of take people through a little bit of kind of what it was, right? Bruce comes in, 400 pounds. He's on this journey to lose 200. But the weight that you're going to lose isn't just pounds of weight. It's the weight of this thing that you've been carrying around your dad. Yeah. So um, at first, like, they wanted me to go confront him when I first got casted. And I was like, no way. And it literally, like, took me down a road that was just dark and I actually was going to a therapist, and I don't know if Heidi's ever told you this story, but the the uh, the lawyer in the um, uh, for extreme loss and stuff like that went to all the producers, went to like Chris and Heidi, and said, "If you bring up his dad one more time, you're gonna get sued." <laughs> like, like it was that bad. And so they didn't say a word for like after that because it was so heated on my fight or flight, and they were so into it, and because it was just so much that still still take on. You know, I needed to fix my body first and my mind first, and then get to that point and then obviously out of nowhere i mean this is crazy my dad's parole hearing comes up the year that i finally get extra, uh, selected for extreme weight loss after i tried out for biggest loser after i tried out for extreme weight loss so many years and you're not supposed to be picked so obviously god had a plan that was just crazy crazy and um so parole was coming up and then i got a call from jd roth the producer and uh, executive basically one of the people who helped create it and he said hey boom then I talked to obviously Chris and Heidi and they were like, yeah, we can do this. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is bigger than me. You know what I mean? That's what I thought about. This yeah. is bigger than me of, me of me confront my dad. I could do that, but this could be a chance. And I didn't know the magnitude that it would do now that it's aired and everything. But yeah, we went into the parole hearing. Um, I was scared. I can't believe that they let you televise. I, that, it that's is the thing. Un Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, the sequence in the courtroom is unbelievable. And that they got cameras in. Cameras. Unbelievable. But I'm so glad they did because yep. it is a like you can always anytime you show it at these events, it brings tears every single time because it is such an unbelievable thing for you to be able to come back to and visually see you standing in your courage in the hardest thing that you'd have to do. Yeah, that's that's exactly. I mean, it was crazy. That they got cameras in there. It was like last minute, and then actually the judge she almost didn't want it to go, but because she was worried she looked bad on camera, so she wouldn't sign off until she saw it. And then she was like, "Okay, never mind. I'm all right. <laughs> Believe it or not." So yeah, just going in there, and I wasn't supposed to talk at all um, because I'm not technically uh, a victim that he was in there for. But they went around that and uh, found a loophole, which is just fine. Um, and, and I was able to talk that day and it just, it just came over me just to say like forgiveness, you know, I forgive him and I forgive everybody else and, and everything that's happened and just told him that he just shouldn't get out because not only for the people safety, but for his safety, because he's just not, it's just something that's never going to leave yeah. in a way he's in a safe, safe place, believe it or not. And so that's what I felt. And, um, and that's what I said that day. And then and then obviously saying to give all the other victims who ever victimized that they know they can be okay and just continue in life. And so can we just stop real quick on forgiveness? Because this is one of those things and I've talked to you about it before, but 
I have a hard time. Like I know that forgiveness is not for the person you're forgiving. It's for you. Yeah. I understand the importance of forgiveness. And I also really struggle personally with like, would I be able to forgive this? Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about your decision and what it felt like to make it, but also what it felt like once you had. It was amazing to forgive. Um, it just felt like such a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulder, you know, and I didn't want to carry around the anger and I didn't want to carry around the the guilt and everything else. And it just, it just was such, cause I held it for so long. And when I, and when I was not forgiven, I think about it sometimes, I just see sometimes cause my mom, it took her a long time to forgive. And I just remember the anger yeah. that it felt, the, but it was so much anger that it wasted energy, wasted her life, held her back from what she wanted to do. And, and I think me releasing that was able to, for me to be able to grow and show unconditional love and hear everything and hear everybody's side. And, and the way that I always look at it too is we've all been in a position where we've wanted ultimate forgiveness. And in and, and some ways, I know this like doesn't justify what he's doing, but it's just like we've all been in a position where we've really felt, hey, forgive me, I'm so sorry. And from the bottom of our heart, we felt sorry. And we have wanted someone to forgive us. And they won't. And I just think about how that is felt inside of me when I've tried to search for somebody when somebody's wanted to forgive that I've wanted to forgive me for something I've done. And I just think about that sometimes. And it's just like none of us are perfect here. And and I know that like that is completely like not just fine, but it's like you think about how many times you've wanted somebody to forgive you and and so it's just like, you know what? I can release that and not have to carry that around. And it also helps them as well. It's unbelievable. It's, you know, I, I, I have conversations plenty of times with people who are still holding on to a thing. I've talked often about forgiveness. I'll often even reference like this choice that you made was as much for your ability to move forward and have the kind of productive life that you have now that's affecting the lives of other people that would not have otherwise been possible if you were still burdened with everything that comes in the anger and the contempt and the whatever else of it, it, you, you get freedom and yeah. that's what you got. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about having a conversation post the show with yourself about how you're going to keep this 200 pounds that you have lost off what like what goes into that oh my gosh that's a great question well obviously personal integrity is where it all starts um making those simple commitments to yourself and day in and day out like going for it you know like if you make a commitment to get to the gym you're getting to the gym and and you're gonna mess up sometimes and my thing is i used to drink so much soda regular soda i should say because i still drink diet soda but regular soda and i have literally am on nine years now almost of not drinking a single sip of regular soda. And that's a promise that I made to myself when I got selected. And it's a promise that I've kept to myself and I've kept it that way. And, and that's the one thing that I can always fall back on and win on. And, um, and it's, and it's just changing my whole, I mean, literally my environment has completely changed. I've changed everything. I've changed the friends that I have, the people that are in my life. You get uncomfortable on a daily basis. Um, I mean, there's just so many things. I have a community. I have a accountability. I have check-ins. All these things that we do to and and I make it fun. You know, I make fitness fun and I make everything the best that I can be for me. And then also just doing coaching and make every single thing that I do in my life align with my goals and what I want to do in life. I try to make sure if I'm doing something, does it align for the way that I want to live and the way that I want to be every single day? All right. So you said earlier, losing the weight sometimes is harder than the maintenance of weight for the person 
who's listening right now, who's lost the weight, what's the, what's the advice for the perseverance that it's going to require, the discipline that it's going to require, the lifestyle it's going to require to keep going after they've accomplished that goal of getting down to whatever they were hoping to get to weight wise or fitting in that pair of pants or whatever it might be. Just know as you're doing this, it just, it never ends. And remember the feeling that you have and remember it's going to, and don't look at it as, man, this is so exhausting. This is like, this is the, oh, I have to do this, this. No, that's the identity that you want to have. The reason you're getting there is because you want to be an identity of the things that you've always wanted. The person that you're looking at in the mirror, you love looking back at. And if that's the identity of like being in shape, getting up, doing the things that you say you're going to do, and you want to live with that identity, you need to keep that for the rest of your life. The things that got you to get to your goal are the things you have to do every single day from here on out. But that's okay. Because if you honestly think about where you were before and how much you hated that life, but you enjoyed this process and you enjoyed going through the going to it and getting to that number and that work you put in, that's who you are now. You're a badass that can literally be, this is my identity. This is who I am. I'm a person of integrity. I'm a person that pushes myself. I'm a person that gets uncomfortable. You know, I do uncommon things. That's what I love about Goggins when he brings up stuff like that is be uncommon. Do things that people have never seen before. You know what I mean? And you can do that. And it starts with with you just being you and keeping your integrity day in and day out. Don't stop at, at 19 minutes and 59 seconds. That was one of the biggest things that Chris Knighty told us. Because the moment that you stop and you let one little thing like that in, it's just going to be a downward spiral. And some quote that I always live by now is, "You the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yeah. So that, to me, when I heard that, I was like, okay, bombshell. And it's just like, th- that's what you got to do. You got to accept this is who you are. And that's okay. Like, you want to be fat and lazy the rest of your life? You know what I mean? No, you didn't just work your ass off to get to a goal to stop working. Like, what else can you accomplish? You know? Yeah, I love it. You bring this fire into your community. Yeah. Larger Than Life is the community. Epic Weekend is the celebration of the community. There's coaching that exists. But I love having been at your events before, the principles that you have taken your people through, the team that works for you through. Will you share some of the principles of Larger Than Life? Yeah, so Larger Than Life is uh, the big thing that we say is our mission statement is we do what most people would say is impossible and we make it possible. And man, that gets me so fired up when I say that because it's amazing because we have season two that is launching tonight, right? And, and, And of the Larger Than Life YouTube series. And the reason I get emotional about that is because there are people that said, there's no way you can get seven individuals to come out, live with you, and do what you're going to do. And, and the point that we have a season two, that was supposed to be impossible, and now it's being possible. And then what you see what they do in 90 days is unbelievable. Like, like and, we, and we commit daily. We lead by example. These are our culture beliefs. And um, actually, I got them on the back of my shirt right now. And all those things. And then we rejoice with each other, you know, and what that means is we rejoice together of like, we celebrate wins and victories and man, there's people like, okay, I'll give a little sneak peek, then who cares? You know what I mean? It's my show. So I'll say whatever I want. (laughs) So like we run a, we do a half marathon, like in, in, uh, in, uh, the season, but people thought I was crazy because these people came in 90 days had done nothing. And I was just like, in the middle of the season, I just called up our producer and I just said, Nick, dude, we're switching it up to, it was supposed to be like maybe a 10K. And I said, bro, we're going half marathon. And he was like, 
Are you crazy? And dude? the contestants that have come in, yes. or, the, or the, the participants <laughs> that have come in, they're coming in with an average weight of what? Yeah, I mean, we got probably average weight of all of them got at least over 100 pounds probably loose. Okay. Over 100 pounds. So I would say every female is almost close to, besides Tamika, close to 300 pounds. Um, so that's big for females. Hunter was 410 pounds. So like, this is nuts. You know what I mean? This shouldn't be happening. And I was like, screw it. Yeah, it can. You know what I mean? And that's what we epitomize of larger in life is we literally take fitness and we get better in life. And we want people to know we don't go into the gym for a number on a scale. We go in the gym to get better. And that's what I tell everybody that goes in like our gym. You're not going there to get to a physique. That's going to happen. But you're going in there to push yourself and because it's going to make you better when you walk out that door. Yeah. You know, and that that's honestly what it's about. And, and then one more thing that I, I thought about that we were that I was coaching in football parallels to talk about weight loss when you get to the goal. And one thing that helped one of our people just recently is I said, hey, what do you want to be remembered as? And I was like, this is what I do. Yes, it was great to hit a milestone, but I don't want to be a team that's won one Super Bowl. Let's just say, OK, I don't want to be that. I want to be freaking Tom Brady. I want to be Michael Jordan. I want to be Kobe Bryant. And now Derek Jeter. I mean, if anybody saw that, that was unbelievable. But anyways, but man, those guys won a title and it wasn't enough. And that's the way I look at it with weight loss. When you get your goal, what's next? Be remembered. Be a, Make an impact in the world. Be a dynasty. You know, make your own dynasty and show what is possible. And so um, that's kind of what Larger in Life's all about. It's just we're going to do extraordinary things. And when people say... You can't be done. We're going to show you it can be done uh, without I a doubt. I love it. I love it. So the series is out. Season two of Larger Than Life. Check out YouTube. Just Google Bruce Pitcher or yep. go into YouTube and type him into the old search bar. You'll find him right there. And uh, the show, how many episodes are in this each season? This, um, the first season had 12 episodes that were shorter. This season will have eight episodes, but they're longer. Right on. We listened to the audience. They wanted longer. So we were like, all right. So. That's that's awesome. All right, Bruce. Uh, I finish each episode asking a single question. Inevitably, there is something that this audience needs to hear today to afford them something in a breakthrough, a connection to peace, something that uh, in some ways is going to help them live a larger than life kind of life. What is the single thing that you would leave with someone today? The thing that they need to hear most? Um, Just never give up. That's the biggest thing is the only way with transformation that you ever fell and you feel like you fell time and time again is the only time you fell in transformation in life is when you finally just say give up because that's the only way that you felt. And so that's what I would say is like, just never quit. And you've never failed in that way. So every day is a new day. I love it. If people are not currently following you on the social media platforms or don't know where to find more information out about Larger Than Life and your coaching, where do you send people to find out more? You can send them to Bruce Pitcher on Instagram and you click my bio or Larger Than Life um, Coaching on Instagram and then the Larger Than Life Show on Instagram. So we have a couple or Living Larger Than Life on Facebook. We have a community that if you not want to be in the coaching program, you can actually just join the community and be a part of the community and they spread love through there. There aren't There's coaching clients in there and their show participants that were on the show in there so all those things you are amazing at building community you're also amazing at providing some seasoning in communities you're going to be inside the get fit community yes. once again for this fourth challenge that is starting up september 5th what is, the role I think you play is like chief morale officer <laughs> like you are the guy that comes in to fire the crowd up yeah, yeah, I think I, that might be it. That's a good, very valid point, you know? 
because I do the shortest lives, but I get my point across in the in the in the community. I do what I need to do, and then and I do random things. I'm kind of the guy that's just like, I guess I'm very blessed that Heidi trusts me because I am the one guy that just can do whatever I want in there, basically. But I don't do anything bad, so that's good. No, that that's good. good. Yeah, and we have some fun cooking up some food yeah, with uh, with the bros. with Chef David yep. teaching people how to meal prep. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Well, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you, the listener, were inspired by Bruce's story, inspired to keep on going, inspired to not quit. I appreciate you, Bruce, for being here. We'll see you all next week on another episode of the Rise Together podcast. Take care. Yes. Awesome. Hey, y'all. While I am taking a hiatus from social media I'd still love to stay connected to you on the regular. If you head over to MrDaveHollis.com, I have an opportunity for us to become one-way pen pals. Yep, I'm going to be sending out regular updates, uh, stories, uh, observations, hopefully things that will also make you laugh or think. Uh, And I'd love to be able to do that on the reg. So if you uh, are so inclined... Hit MrDaveHollis.com, drop in your email, and buckle on up. I love you all. Thank you for all the continued support. Let's go.